Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Redcasters, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to be notified about our latest videos. Go Big Red. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Redcast Rob. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be back tonight. And let me tell you, after watching tonight's basketball game against Ohio State, I am standing at full mast. <laughs> oh, Robert, um, I expected that from you. Also with Boomer. I'm just excited to see uh, Harbaugh in, in possible negotiation with the Chargers so he can uh, quietly get out of Michigan just ahead of any uh, sanctions. So good plan there, Jim. <laughs> hey, you know what? He delivered the national title to him. So it's. it's and nobody could ever take that away from him. Yeah, well, except yeah, the NCAA. Right. right. I mean, yeah. except the NCAA. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but does that really count? You know, I mean, come on. Imagine having two 70 years. And both of them have asterisks next to them. That is terrible for Michigan. I just feel so bad. Yeah, the split championship asterisk is is eh, that's fine. I don't care. Um, they would have lost to us in '97, but hey, that's a whole other story. They, we right? would have mopped the floor with them in '97. Let's be honest. <laughs> they were scared to play uh, us. Oh, well, tradition. We'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk football here in a little bit. Maybe uh, mostly looking forward. We'll talk a little bit about. Uh, coaching changes and um, the Polynesian Bowl and what to look forward to uh, with spring ball coming up and, and maybe a few other things, right, Boomer? Uh, but before we, we get there, uh, I think uh, the first topic of the night should be uh, Nebraska ball. And uh, Fred Horberg is, is getting this team to uh, a record that we haven't seen in quite some time, 15 and five now, right? Boomer five and four. Yes, in the conference. That's correct. Yep, 15 and five. Yep. And uh, Hey, you know, they uh, are struggling on the road and we can throw some stats out uh, for you here a little bit later on how tough it is to win on, on the road in the big 10, but uh, they sure look good inside the vault. And um, after beating Northwestern over the weekend, and that was celebrating Danny knee. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about our favorite Danny knee memories. <laughs> At least me and Boomer, anyway. Um, we, uh, you know, uh, took down Northwestern and then uh, really handled Ohio State after a slow start. Uh, Boomer, what are your your thoughts of where Nebraska basketball is headed right now? Well, I mean, these were a couple of big wins, you know, these last two games, you know, especially kind of coming off a, of, you know, some disappointing performances against Iowa and then that big letdown at Rutgers where we thought we had a good chance at a at a road win, you know you kind of felt like you'd let a lot of momentum slip away. And then you finally get, get back to home where they just, they're a completely different team at home, it seems, but then so is the rest of the big 10. It sounds like, you know, we'll be able to take us into those numbers later, but then, you know, you get a, you get a nice win against a scrappy Northwestern team and really kind of, you know, held them out of there. Slated to be in the uh, tournament right now. So that's, Mm -hmm. it's not a bad Northwestern team by any stretch. And then, 
And this game against Ohio State's kind of the thing I really wanted to see out of a Nebraska ball team, you know, lately. Because, you know, you had those games against, you know, Minnesota and Rutgers where you let big leads slip away because you just fall asleep for 10 minutes and just stop playing basketball. You just start turning the ball over and you let a team that you're, you know, we had, what, two double-digit leads against Rutgers, I think, at various points in that game. Mm-hmm. One of those huge scoring droughts and let those slip away. You know, and this was a game where we had a nice, you know, we built some nice leads up, and, you know, whenever Ohio State would try to, you know, claw back, especially in that second half, we didn't let them. I think the closest they got was within three points in that second half, and that was early. So it was nice to see Nebraska take charge of a game, build a lead, and actually keep it. You know, didn't have those long scoring droughts. You know, you're not going to score every possession, but you can't have those huge, you know, essentially half a half, you know, go without making a field goal. Because even if you're playing halfway decent defense, that's going to catch up to you. And this time they didn't. So that's really what I wanted to see. They built that nice lead at the end, and they basically kept it at double digits for you know, a huge chunk at the end of that game. So even when Ohio State was starting to hit threes at the end. Yeah, yeah, funny. yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Fred Fred will... You know, so that's <laughs> what needed. So. Yeah, I'm sure Fred will talk a little bit about how they need to keep their defensive intensity up there. Ohio State brought uh, someone off the bench there that finally found – uh, the stroke and, and hit at several threes there, which kept the game even reasonably uh, close. Uh, Rob, you have to be uh, pleased with Rink Mass, though, right? I mean, 34 and 10, six of eight from three, and, um, you know, a slow start for the whole team, really. So, I mean, it, they really broke out there in the end of the second half. Yeah, after starting, I think, was three from 13, because this team depends on the three figured that out 50% of their shots are from the yeah. three right? and they were three of 13 from three point to start the game and after that start they were 11 of 14 so quick math they were something like 52% I think they were what 14 of 29 from from uh from three for the game I'm not even looking at the stats I'm remembering this because I was listening to the radio broadcast because um I've got this new tradition now where it just stresses me out listening, watching those games on TV. <laughs> refs are just so terrible. I'm like, I can't watch this. So um, I've been watching the first half or doing whatever. And then I go to the gym and I work out throughout the entire second half um, listening to the game. And so the last two times I've done that, they've won. So I will continue to do that for there all. There you the go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, it's funny because and I love, I love how well they're shooting. Um, you know, how well, like, Mast is, is taking over the games in the middle like that. And there are times when he has been outmatched in there, but it's the Big Ten, and you're going to see that. But for me, the biggest thing is just how well they're hitting their free throws. I think as a team, I heard the other day, they're like 79% as a team, which is kind of unheard of in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know what the stats are now. I, I remember Pavelka talking something about that at the uh, during the Northwestern game the other day. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. some incredible number as a team shooting free throws this season, which is I'll, I'll let Boomer you know, look that up. And yeah, I'm going to look it up too because I think that I heard that correctly. I may be wrong. Um, it could have been the Arizona game because I'm always mixing up my teams. I watched three games on Sunday, and one of them even included oh, yeah. Northern Colorado, and they mm-hmm. uh, they're playing. Really Talking about Husker Husker basketball, though, we right? are Husker basketball, but I'm just saying that it's hitting free throws. Is, is yeah. a huge yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're currently uh, 75.7% from free throw. It's good for 49th in that country. So just yeah. Yeah. lots behind. We get to the line quite a bit too, right? Yep. I think I just yep. saw a sour we top four in the Big Ten with that. So Yes. Um, so I was close. Look at that. Yeah. I'm not even yeah, looking yeah. at stats tonight or anything. So and I'm so, just... I mean, to your, I mean, like, just to, to back this up a little bit, I mean, all the all the 
rightful criticisms of the Fred Horberg era over the first three or, you know, three and a half years was, was that, um, you know, this whole uh, pace and space uh, thought process and we're going to have great three point shooters. It never worked. Right. And um, we really couldn't wrap our head around why it wasn't working. And, and we kind of laid the big 10 and like, look, this is too physical a conference. You can't do that all that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, Fred went back to the drawing board, um, changed uh, some key uh, staff positions and, and recruiting philosophy. And uh, he's found um, players to, that can shoot the three, like Rick Mast, and, and also got Kamanaga, but also developed a guy like C.J. Welcher over multiple years that faced a lot of criticism from fans. And it's turned into really good three-point shooters. And it's a really good three-point shooting team, especially at home. <laughs> And um, and and they learned how to play Big Ten defense, and they also instilled that by bringing some key transfers in, like a Jaw and Gary, and and even his son, right? And yeah. Sam Hoiberg is up. I mean, we were struggling there in the early parts of the first half, and and Sam Hoiberg comes in and and raises up the defensive intensity, and that re- translates to some better offensive movement, and there we started making some shots. So um, yeah, it's, that's it's a good crazy. formula. It's crazy. Uh, Tominaga got two quick fouls kind of in the first half yeah. and was, it was out on the bench and it all almost was like, and they, and uh, one thing that I, that I saw tonight too, and that I saw on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And th- that I saw on Sunday as well is that, you know, Tominaga is more of a second half guy really anyway. So when Hoiberg comes in, there's always seems to be like a real big point. And, and it seems like he just comes in with this intensity and this hustle. And you know, a lot of times coaches get blasted for playing their sons on their teams. Right. And, you know, Hoiberg is, is, I believe, the exception here where, you know, you have to be excited for what he's doing out there as a walk-on, just coming on, yeah. putting up the numbers that he puts on. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't show up on the stats, but you go, if you watch the team and you know what you're talking about, I mean, he is a spark plug for this offense a lot of times because he's pulling down rebounds, he's making the passes, he's he's taking that extra effort to get the ball back when it's on the floor. You know, he's the kind of guy that like gets up and he probably, you know, he doesn't quite look like, you know, Mass does after a game where he looks like he got mauled by a big cat. But I mean, (laughs) but, you know, I mean, and then you and then you combine that where like all of a sudden, you know, guys are like collapsing on guys like Hoiberg, because even after he got blocked, there was one one play that I think where the momentum really changed. And Hoiberg came in the game and he drove to the hoop and just got blocked. I mean, swatted. It was the kind of stuff mm-hmm. where like on the playground, he probably would have got like shoved to the ground, yelled at. The guy would have stood over him, that kind of block, right? Mm-hmm. Very next time he had the ball, what did he do? He went straight to the hoop, straight at the same guy and drew a foul on that guy, right? And a lot of players just don't have the gumption to do anything like that in that in that sort of behavior. But the other part too was that it started opening up because he would drive the ball so much, started opening the outside, and guys like Bryce Williams. I mean, God, don't let him get hot too, because yep. then you've got three guys out there. You got Mast, Williams, you got Wilcher, and then God forbid Tommy Naga gets hot. I mean, mm-hmm. that are four guys right there. And when we're winning, that's what's happening, and it's beautiful. It's so nice to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the the Horberg offense that we we thought we'd see, um, because Mast is is that guy that's. You know, I mean, they list him at 6'10". He might not be that tall, but he, he's tall enough to play post and be a five. But when he brings the ball up and he hits from outside, that's a five-out offense. And that is very hard to defend for most traditional um, 
you know, post players. So then the, the coach opposing coach has decisions to make on how you're going to defend rink mast because you can put a smaller guy on him and defend him outside. He's going to take you down low. Uh, he's a really good passer too. So um, uh, it's, you know, he's taken the Derek Walker position and actually even took it to the next level because he shoots the outside shot better yeah. than Derek ever did, but he's also a darn good passer. So, Well, he's very much a traditional like European basketball player now, yeah, right? Sure. You, got, you yeah. know, you got these guys that are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", 7 foot, and every single one of them can shoot from anywhere on yeah. the court. Yeah, from face up, yeah. Yeah, and you also yeah. don't want to, you also don't want to get tangled with them under the hoop. It doesn't matter how big you are, because those guys are just hardcore. I mean, it's a lot like Joker, you know, for, for the Nuggets. It's like, yeah, they don't look like your stereotypical basketball players of what we're used to, but you also, you know, I wouldn't want to like meet them in a dark alley, on, at, you know, after midnight on a, on a Friday <laughs> night either. So, you know, Boomer, uh, a side note a little bit on Sam Hoiberg. I was just thinking about this. Um, he's, I mean, Honky might be able to join us later. So, folks, if you're waiting to get a, a, a Honky sighting, he might show up, but I can't promise it. But he would tell us that there's a lot of value in Sam Hoiberg um, being a walk on because as uh, his dad is a, a university employee, I believe he gets a greatly discounted, maybe free tuition, if I'm not mistaken, at UNL, right? So Sam Horberg essentially gets free tuition. And, and you know, I mean, that works out perfect. I mean, it's like an extra scholarship anyway. player. It's yeah, an extra scholarship. Essentially, yeah. We, yeah. Maybe that's what we need more of, more family members on the roster. You know, who else in the Big Ten has had, I think, three of his sons play on his teams and one's on on his current roster right now in the Big Ten? Oh man, um, that's a good question. I do yeah. know, and now all of a sudden, thanks, thanks, Dave, for stumping it's me there. Fran McCaffrey, yes. So McCaffrey boys sense. have yeah. been uh, on Iowa for the last for like, Iowa. Feels like decade, and then they're going to be He's offensive right coordinator now. on the football team soon enough. You know, yeah. and they're on scholarship. I do not understand that. Why would you, especially how much you're making? Well, Iowa's not Even known for you... paying their coaches well, so you know. Brandon's got like a ridiculous contract with a ridiculous length to it because Dave Barta gave him everything he wanted because he wanted. Maybe like, maybe they gambled away their scholar. Maybe they gambled away their money or something. I like mean, again, thing. I just think logically, you want someone like Sam Hoiberg, the coach's son, uh, to, to you're getting that type of production from someone who's not on scholarship is just great. I just think it's funny. That's all. Um, well, one other thing I wanted to bring up, guys, uh, with basketball before we get to Danny Knee a little bit is is the Big Ten grind, right? And we've got Maryland coming up, and it's on the road, and Maryland is is not great, but they're they're not bad. Uh, probably kind of similar to from a profile to, to Rutgers, really, I suppose. And um, you know, it's another chance to get one of those road victories. Uh, I, I was looking at the, and this is prompted by a lot of frustration, not only from this this group on, on this show and, and Honky and, and others on our text thread, but generally the the Nebraska basketball fandom because we're frustrated because we have, have haven't had a lot of success. But it's difficult to go and lose to Rutgers in overtime when you feel like you should have got one. It's difficult to lose to Minnesota when you just play so poor in that second half. Um, Iowa, I don't even want to talk about that loss. But in reality – Road victories in the Big Ten come far and few between, right? I mean, there is 14 teams in the Big Ten. Only one of them has a above 500 on the road uh, this year, and that is number two ranked Purdue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Wisconsin, who's playing lights out right now, 
um, is three and three on the road and in Illinois. And uh, those are it. Right. And those are the three teams ahead of Nebraska in the standings. Right. You can look at um, records there like, uh, you know, Penn State and, and Rutgers zero wins. Ohio State has not won a road game since January of 23. It's, it's over a full calendar year, 13 losses in a row. Um, and so you look at Nebraska's there, and sure, we're rowing for in, in conference, but we do have a road victory um, away at K-State, right, which is actually like a quad one win, depending if you're looking at net or RPI. There's very few quad one road wins, right? So I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I don't want to see another road win. I just understand it's hard to do. I think maybe some of that's how the Big Ten sets up their scheduling. I don't know. I mean, like, you, you get, you know, these kind of two days off and then you head right back out. Or even if you do get longer, they don't let you practice um, certain days. Um, it It's not just the crowd. I think it's just a lot of other factors that go into that. And Big Ten has really good basketball. So yeah. I just wanted to, to point that out. Boomer, thanks for bringing that up. Um, other thoughts on on uh, road woes, not just for Nebraska, but everyone in the Big Ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it and, definitely does seem to be that. I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, it is something we gripe about, and probably unfairly, like you said, Dave. I, I, I probably people don't pay enough attention to you know other Big Ten programs and when they're playing and seeing them on the road, and everyone does seem to struggle, and it it's not an easy thing to do for whatever reason. And you know, I yeah. think that was part of the challenge with playing Iowa. You know, so soon after you know that big emotional win at Purdue, yeah. and you got to turn around Two and days. go to Iowa. It's a tough thing, and then you know, Rutgers is across the country right after that. You know, it's not always easy to get yourself psyched up for either. So, and, and that is tough. And, but that's why you do need to take advantage of the ones you can get. Like this game against Maryland mm-hmm. would be huge if you can go get that. And then, yep. you know, then you get Wisconsin at home. And if you can keep that home streak going, you know, those would be huge. I mean, these next four games are a huge chance to really, you know, polish up that resume for Nebraska. You know, you can get yeah. that road win in Maryland. If you can, you've got shots at ranked Wisconsin and Illinois on the road. Maybe that might be dreaming, but heck why not? And then, yeah, right. Then you're at Northwestern. So there's four chances at really good wins that would do a lot for a, you know, for a resume, if you're looking to make the tournament and yep. yeah, go ahead. Rob. Well, I was going to say that, that one of the things too, about this team going on the road and shooting in a gym that you're not you know, used to that's, that's harder than a lot of people realize that don't play basketball, Mm -hmm. you know, back when I was in the YMCA leagues, just kidding. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it's not, it's not easy to shoot in a gym that you're not used to being in. Right. And this isn't the NBA where these guys go out and get like, you know, three, four hours to just shoot around in there before they actually play the game. And not to mention then, and, and this is a team that relies on, really good shooting from the outside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, we're, Often you know, doesn't work. We're, we're one of the few teams, I think in the big 10, where our um, inside play in the paint depends on shooting well from the outside, right? Like we, we just don't have that kind of offense. We need to open up the inside of the court by forcing guys to guard our shooters and shooting on the road is not easy. And, you know, and then not to mention, you know, it's like, People will complain about Big Ten refs, but like you go and you look at the stats after games, you're going to see that, you know, there's usually um, on road games, with the exception of a lot of Nebraska home games, which I can point out in a minute, it has to do with the fact that the type of offense that we run and is not the kind of offense where it's going to drive how much we shoot the ball from the outside, right? Like we either need to hit or at least like split the offensive rebounds you know what i mean because otherwise mm-hmm. otherwise like those are the games we lose 
Like, and, and, you know, but on the road in the big 10, you're going to see, you know, Purdue shooting 17 free throws to R8. It's just going to happen, right? Like that's just the way it goes on the road in the big 10 for, for Nebraska in particular, but for just about every team really. And it's just, yeah. it's just how yeah. it is. Now tonight, surprisingly, we shot the same number of free throws as Ohio state, but we were also the better team and we were scoring. And one of the things yeah, that, a that lot of Pavelka pointed out from the beginning is that, yeah, don't worry, folks. He said something to the effect of, don't worry, folks. Um, Ohio State is shooting really well not right now, but they're too young. They're not going to keep this up, and they're not going to be able to keep up this kind of yep. scoring with Nebraska. And yep. sure yep. enough, he was right. Yeah, you know, the the, the pace was not not yep. set for Ohio State there whatsoever. No. Um, I, I, Rob, a couple things. I think you bring up a good point that we want, we'll want to track as the season goes further and maybe we can actually be talking about an NCAA tournament game on this show. That would be pretty cool on huh, guys. Um, is, is the big 10 has not done well in the NCAA tournament for, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that we, we, we often can get a team maybe two into a final four scenario, but we have not won the national championship in 20 plus years. And, and wasn't, it, have some, wasn't it Michigan State who won the last one? Michigan State, yeah, Mateen Cleaves. And yeah, then, was was Draymond yeah. Green on that team? No, he was. He made it to a Final Four, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Izzo made the Final Four so many times in a row there. Yeah, yeah. it was it was crazy, right? But um, some some people blame the Big Ten refereeing style, which um, is you know um, a, a physical league. Um, it doesn't allow these teams to translate well when they have different refs in the tournament. So, well, that'll be interesting to, to, to follow a little bit. I mean, I, I think the last closing thing on the road, road wins is, is, is this the exact reason why the uh, RPI and net value road victories and road games in general, more than um, home games is because it's the NCAA selection committee is trying to identify teams that can win at a neutral site away from their home. Right. And that's why there's so many of those neutral site tournaments now in, in November and December, because you want to have that on your resume that you can win somewhere besides your home court, uh, because that's what you're going to have to do in March. You're going to have to go to some foreign uh, arena that you've never played in possibly before and, and perform at a high level. Right. And so, you know, I, I don't laugh at that K-State victory that we got in December, guys. I think that's going to be very valuable. K-State's doing well in the, in the Big 12 right now. It's a very good basketball league. They probably won't stay at the top like they are right now, but uh, there uh, could be a, definitely a, a resume builder there. Yeah, and hey, one, of the, one of the things the show. that – Oh, look at that. Hey, uh, one last point before before uh, Honky, Honky joins in here is that um, one of the things that I, that I did see as well is that – um, currently they have Nebraska as I believe it's a, like a 10 or 11 seed in our the bracket matrix has us as a 10 seed. That's yeah. 10, 10 seed. But, right but now. you know where our first game would be played Omaha. I, I doubt they do that. They'd be I, so kind of them. How, how, how beautiful would that be though? I mean, that would be I don't know. amazing. Kansas so. will be there too, but yeah, the last big 10, the last big 10 championship, you said like 14 years, Dave, it was 2000. That was 24 years no, ago. I said 20 some years. Oh, did you say 20? Yeah. It's 24 yeah, yeah. years. It's Unless been. you count, count Maryland the year after that they were in the ACC when that. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I'm God. sure they'll put it on the big 10 network, you know, sure. on the big so. 10 website. How's that? So. Honky, did you get a chance to catch the victory tonight? Yeah. I watched it over at Mac's house. And, oh, uh, 
Yeah, it was uh, quite the win. Uh, pretty consi- the great second half there, and uh, apparently it's the house of rank because that uh, that guy was on fire tonight. Yeah, 34 and 10, 6 of 8. Um, did, did it inside, outside, and everywhere in between, really. I mean, it was fun to watch, and, um, you know, hopefully we get a few more of those. But it's nice to see that we can get that type of – well, maybe not that exact performance. So we have some, some pretty big-time – uh, performances by different folks, right? Whether it's yeah. Casey, uh, Rank, uh, Welcher, et cetera. Yeah, Casey tonight doesn't have a big night really at all. Mm-hmm. You know, Williams goes out, goes out and does what he does, which is what seven is seven rebounds, like four assists, yeah. fifteen, whatever. Quiet points. fifteen. You barely remember yeah. he's out there sometimes. Wilcher scores the points that he does, and then you know Rank goes off. But what I love about Husker Nation, Husker fans, and this is what this is what gives me hope with football. I can sit there right now and say we're gonna we're gonna play in the college football championship next year, and people will say, ah, oh, you know, shut up, bull, you know, whatever, just drinking the Kool Aid. And all it takes is a couple wins in the season, and people's expectations go through the roof. We are fifteen oh, yeah. and five. We're fifteen and five right now for the first time since the the great nineteen ninety season. Yeah. And, and you go on social media, and there's still fans. They're like, but man, we lost our Rutgers. But man, we lost this game. It's like we're fifteen and five, and. Mm-hmm. I, what I will just say is that there's a Jekyll and Hyde of home in a way that we got to figure out a way to get over. We can't play at Maryland the way that we played on the road. Some of the other games, we've got to find ways to win some of these, but from an expectation standpoint, we're 15 and five and nobody coming into the mm-hmm. season was expecting that. So, you yeah. know, enjoy that. And when, man, when we play at home, we seem to, we seem to have everyone's number. We beat them by 15, 16 points. I don't know if yeah. you caught it, Honky, if you were listening to the show at all on your way coming in, but um, Dave made a really good point um, in the last show, and then we kind of emphasized it this la- this uh, evening, was that there are only three teams in the Big Ten that are 500 or better right now on the road, and all three of them are the three teams that are ahead of Nebraska in the standings. So yeah. winning on the Big Ten is – winning on the road in the Big Ten is not easy, and that's me quoting Dave. Okay, I just yeah. wanted to I- – Write it down, people. Yeah. All right. It's not, and for me, it's not even about if it's easy to win on the road. Like we haven't played well on the road, and that's a yeah. There's I a, agree with that. Huh? Or there's that Jekyll Hyde in game, like to go get to go to Iowa and be down seventeen to two before you know it, but then to come all the way back and even take a lead with about ten minutes left in the game, and then completely, you know, uh, just kind of poop it down the leg, so to speak. But again. I'm also complaining about a 15 and five team right now, which is an amazing thing to be complaining. About. Like what, what a great place as a Husker fan to be complaining right now is that we are only 15 and five when, I mean, guys, everyone give each other a round of applause. We're part of a, of a podcast that has just seen abysmal basketball for season after yeah. season. And we're sitting here, not just talking about, can we get into the, into the tournament, but legitimately like what kind of, we can start to have a, a seeding discussion, win a game or two. How do we do in these next four games? If you split them and go two and two and you beat a Illinois. Well, let's talk about a, that. Honk. Exactly. That's where we were heading, actually. So let's see what we got. So you have Maryland on the road and then Wisconsin at home. Yep. And mm-hmm. then. At Illinois, at, at Northwestern. At Northwestern. And then, yeah, yep. boy, so you got, you got a, a really nice home game there that you hopefully can redeem yourself versus Wisconsin. But uh three road games right and i think you know if you somehow can go two and two in this stretch um that would really set you up because the schedule does get a little bit easier at the back end right yeah and this is the tough 
road to hoe yeah. right here. This last and the, I mean, Illinois on the road. Holy cow, that's 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 going to be tough. Um, maybe uh, you know, it just I think I mean even with with like I mean Purdue has has a couple of good road wins, right? But it's like like we have a road win versus K State. Uh, that's right when you're joining, we were talking about that. We should not minimize that victory at this present moment because that's probably looking like a quad one or at minimum a quad two road win. And there's very few teams with that on their resume. I mean, like you just don't have it. Right. And so um, if we can get a a Maryland or a Northwestern road win, for goodness sakes, um, that that's amazing. I'd happy to take um, some of the lesser road wins because any road win will look good. Right. But if you beat Mm -hmm. another another uh, quality team like K-State on the road. Now you've got two. Um, to your point on seating, uh, that that makes a world of difference to the selection committee. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of on that note, you know, we're 15 and 5, like you said. There's 11 games left. I mean, how many do you think you have to win to be comfortable, you know, not only making the tournament, but getting a decent seed, not being on that play-in game? I mean, where do you where do you draw the line at that? Yeah, we're five and four. There's eleven games left. Yeah. You got to win um, five of them to to go five hundred in conference. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you defend your home court and go five hundred, you're going to be in. I think if you go if you win six, then you're really starting to really move up a seating ladder, uh, and then you still have opportunity to get a few more wins at an, uh, the neutral site Big Ten journey. So, you know, I think you got to look at um, defending the home court. Wisconsin's going to be tough, but if you can do that there and still one or two road games. Yeah. And I think that is something to keep in mind, you know, cause I, I, I think in a lot of Nebraska ball fans memories is, you know, the team a few years ago that went, you know, 20, what had 22 wins and didn't make the tournament. Went 13 and five in conference. Yeah. And you know, that was, as we all knew was a down year in the big 10, but that yeah. team, I mean, how many quad one or two wins did that team have? It was it not two maybe. It had one, it beat it Michigan. And it came one point away from beating Kansas. Yeah, that Kansas, Kansas loss was probably the clincher that kept him out. You know, the fact that yeah, he didn't that was, have a resume of anything. It was just, uh, you yeah. know, uh, a lot of empty calories, so to speak, for that. For that. Yeah, that's not the case this year. No, this, yeah, is, this is a better team. This, this team would beat that team by 20. That you could point to and say, hey, this is good. So, you know, I, you know, hell, if they get 22, I'd have no, you know, reservations at all about them making the tournament. You know, if they get six or seven wins, that's comfortable. Even five, you know, yeah, they, they should still be in, but. So they get to, oh, try wins, to defend home court and speak one or two of those road wins out and just leave no doubt and just make it easy. So, yeah. I, I like the, the depth of what this team is starting to show. Like Eli Rice starting to play as much as he had the last two or three games. That's your number nine guy now. Kata uh, today was actually listed on the questionable chart, oh, I think, wow. for the first for the first time. Didn't play, but was at least mm-hmm. listed, meaning that my, my thought all along with Kata with was if he can play anytime – by you know, like by February, if we could get yep. him six, seven games of, of playtime, and again, all this guy needs to do is play five minutes a game, so play that he can take rebound. take rank out for a few minutes and give him a little bit of a of a blow there, and and then to do what they've done the last two games with Gary out is impressive. Guys, different guys keep stepping up. Um, that feels better than than some of the teams that we've had that have been close to making the tournament or making it even the 2013 sure. team, i mean that was pedaway was amazing on fire and you, yeah. and, and you had shields and you had you had pitchford but it just wasn't it was this like three guys just, right yeah, you this, know same thing with team, 
yeah, this team just feels like they're so think about the team. Um, the two that uh, what Miles's team went when Copeland went down, and we were like 11 mm-hmm. and two. Copeland yeah. goes down, and the team just went in the tank. Here we yeah. lose Gary, and we've won the two games. We had rank out for a couple of games. Like I know they were against crappy competition, but he goes out for a couple of games after the knee thing, and the team just keeps stepping up. So it feels different than mm-hmm. even the, the mm-hmm. past teams that have mm-hmm. been flirting with the tournament. Yeah. Well, hockey, um, we've been talking basketball for almost half an hour, so that's pretty impressive. Huh? Um, but we did want to maybe touch on uh, Danny Knee since we had the big kind of like halftime <laughs> celebration of Nebraska ball and we did call our, our initial basketball segment Nebraska ball um and this is the best start to a season since the 90 91 team right so mm-hmm. I just thought I'd put it on the uh on the run run list to, to have some fond memories down down um uh, you know Danny knee way so uh, honky uh, what, what are some of the things that stand out to you about that well, I, I wish I could have been run. there. Yeah, I wish I could have been there Friday night uh, at Barry's because I guess they went to Barry's and that oh, was nice. a, a very traditional stopping point yep. for uh, for me. And uh, I mean, just that that was a time of when basketball. I mean, it was really fun, you know, mm-hmm. watching big the old Raycom. Oh, the Big Eight Raycom games and the the, the opponents, the the other coaches, Norm Stewart and Johnny Orr and Billy Tubbs and all that and. And yep. what was so great about Nee was that, you know, he wasn't going to take a second billing to any one of those guys. I mean, those are huge mm-hmm. characters on the basketball court and Nee could step on the court with any one of them and, and outshine yep. them out, you know, outperform them, so to speak. And uh, uh, so it was fun to ha- see him back there. And I'm glad that he had a chance to be, uh, you know, welcome back to, to PBA and, and congratulate and the success that he had. I mean, to just put it in perspective, we've been to seven stinking NCAA tournaments in our entire life, and five mm-hmm. of them happened under his watch within eight, seven, seven or eight years. And yep. one of the years we don't win that, we don't make it, we win the NIT. And we win the only conference championship, at least that we've ever won in our lifetime. I don't know if we ever won a conference title during Cipriano or any yeah, of those other years. but At least oh, time, we did. right? We did yeah. against uh, with our greatest basketball coach uh, Jumbo Steve, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, way back. Of course, in the day. of course. In yeah. Missouri, of course. yeah, he he was a three time, <laughs> yeah, conference winner. Never but, lost in conference there those three exactly. years. It looks like, yeah. but I just set you up for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I agree with you, Honky. I mean, Danny Nee was a character just perfect for that time. Like you said, I mean, post game he'd be at Barry's. I mean, how often do you see coaches just you know coming <laughs> around there, you know, down in the downtown bar scene anymore, like you did and. You know, and one of the memories, you know, I had of it was, uh, oh, gosh, what what year was it we won the Big 8 tournament? Was it? Uh, 94. Yeah. 94. I just, you know, you mentioned Norm Stewart, and I just remember him and Norm Stewart kind of getting into it at half court at halftime. And I, I think he was even, like, poking him in the chest and everything like that. And that was a – I don't think those guys liked each other. Yeah, that's no. just my opinion. I don't think there was any love loss, and I don't think that was an ad. Yeah. But there yeah. were some definitely uh, harsh feelings between those two. And that, that was kind of the fun of Danny Nee. He was not mm-hmm. your – prototypical you know nebraska guy he was you know he was, no, he was from the he was, bronx for goodness sakes. yeah he was very yeah. you know very vocal very you know not nebraska nice i would say that and, yeah you know that's probably why i get along with the vanny so well i think too i think they were they had no trouble you know yeah getting yeah, berries by themselves had a few drinks too i think that was a big it, part of it but uh, and a very similar trajectory to what hoiberg potentially is going through right now you know short of the first year his first season taking over a team that had just been to the NCAA tournament, the, the, our first ever one in 85, 
need does take us to the final four of the NIT his first season. But once that season got through, the next three years were bad, bad. I mean, we were losing records and there was a lot of pressure. And, and after year four, we should probably fire him. But Devaney showed some restraint and left, uh, you know, let him come back with the senior laden team of Bo Reed and Clifford Scales and Rich King, yeah. make a couple, you know, changes, bring in uh, Tony Farmer from a junior college ranks, I think it was. And, mm-hmm. and all yeah. of a sudden, you know, you, you hit magic in a bottle. And I think we all look at, at Fred this year the exact same way, like coming into the season, like you need to show market improvement, whatever that looked like. I don't know that we thought it'd be 15 and five and everything the way it is, but he needed to show something like this. And now we've gotten to the point where an NIT, you know, team this year would feel really disappointing mm-hmm. this deep into the season. Like, and I know that would be something we haven't done under him and it, and it would be progress, but I mean, I'm not trying to sell progress. Like we want wins. And this fan base deserves wins. And so things like tonight and 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 going out there and and performing well down the stretch with this this season or with this team, I think that's huge. And and my gosh, I I'm ecstatic right now with where we're at. Even as frustrated as I've been with some individual performances here or there, my gosh, I mean, what am I complaining about? We're 15 and five. Yep. That's right. This is right, the most logical good. I think I've ever seen you. Like, yeah. hey, hey, Rob, do you know yeah. who uh, Danny Nee played um, with in high school on the same high school basketball team? I know. Oh, Honky my God. This. Is this Honky? I'll let you answer it. This was uh, what is the, the Memorial Academy, I believe. Was do, 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 do you know it, Rob? I do not. <laughs> Mr. Lou Alcinder. Lou yes, Alcinder. he was a he was a pilot for uh, airline. He was. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't, <laughs> that, wasn't, that, wasn't the guy? Wasn't that the guy? Have you ever seen a grown man naked? That guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, he was his co-pilot. You know. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's, listen, kid. <laughs> like you tell your dad. <laughs> Yeah. oh man pretty amazing um and yeah need just was an absolute character also you know rob uh maybe a connection that you would know is that uh danny knee had a, his personal tie collection that they sold at gary michaels clothiers oh yes he, i do know he, all I the suits were done by gary michaels oh speaking well, of suits did you notice hoiberg tonight looking yes. good yeah like i did what was up with that um so it was a game there god they talked about it in the post game on the radio and um I was distracted in the gym. I won't say with what, but that's great um, podcasting, Rob. Thanks. Yeah, but uh, it, it was a it was some kind of like a charity fundraiser type thing or some kind okay. of some kind of a tribute to something. All I, right, yeah. we'll, we'll so, call that good. Thanks, Rob. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> but did you know, Dave? Did you know? No, but when you don't know, then you shut your mouth up. Well, you asked off. me. I don't know. Yeah. No, they didn't ask you. It was just the conversation point. All right. Punk, uh, Boomer, Rob, I know you want to talk about football, right? And you have plenty of important insights on football. So let's uh, put on our scarlet-colored glasses and uh, talk a little bit about um, our own internal coaching carousel. And uh, uh, we do now have a dedicated quarterback coach and co-offensive coordinator in Glenn Thomas. I'm not breaking any news here. Uh, came out last week, and uh, he was definitely a name that was on many people's lists. Um, was, was with the Steelers until they lost in the playoffs. Honky, I mean, just in general, you think this is obviously the right move to add a, a quarterback's uh, coach? Yeah, I mean, I think this is what Rule wanted from day one. Yeah, uh, when they announced the seven and a half million dollar budget for their assistant coaching staff a year ago, uh, that only made sense if you had a a high price 
QB coach probably and a year ago it would have been Pete's was all the all the talk. Yep. And uh, we also thought probably Mickey Joseph would have been part of that and that would have you know rounded the numbers up to to that amount. Now they never hit that amount. They were I think just below 6 million if I remember correctly if all my math is right right you know during the season last year. So in the back of my mind I'm kind of thinking they kind of have that number knowing we can spend roughly that much this year at least and they went out and Tony White, they go and raise him up from one million to one point six to keep him. Good move. Retention of of a coach who's already done something here. But the biggest issue on that entire team last year, from start to finish, was the, the quarterback play. Uh, I think that the co coordinator thing intrigues me because I'm mm-hmm. curious how they're going to do that together. And I know that they want that Satterfield wants to be up in the box, and he didn't feel like he could be up there in the box last year, at least the first you know three-fourths of the season, and he probably wasn't wrong. I mean, he looked at his quarterback situation, I need to be down there with those guys. But that, again, that just takes him away from being able to do the other things you need to do as an offensive coordinator. So now you have somebody dedicated to do it. He can – Satterfield can go back to coaching tight ends, which is what I think they wanted him to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, all yeah. well. And, and, you know, Glenn Thomas, uh, Rob, actually has a – maybe a longer track record with Matt Rule than Satterfield, actually, right? I mean, Satterfield was, to Hawkins, I think the tight ends coach when when Glenn Thomas was, was uh, the co-OC at Baylor with Jeff Nixon or something like that. I, I might get my names wrong, but I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, you know, I think Glenn Thomas definitely could have been in the OC last year, the hire, right? You know, yeah. so I think mm-hmm. maybe having Thomas and Satterfield is what, um, that kind of dueling minds, I guess, might actually make the offense a little bit more dynamic and a little uh, less predictable. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he was with him, what, in Temple back in 2015, yeah. yep. right? And then Baylor. And then, you know, he's been a couple a couple different places. And and it's always interesting to see these guys. Like he was an offensive assistant with, with the Steelers. And, I mean, that kind of – worried me a little bit when I heard that because their offense was terrible this year but I mean you know I'm not quite sure what he was doing there but when he came in as the co-offensive coordinator it just got me thinking like is that something that they are basically trying to tell Sat like hey look you know you can be no I think they or... wanted to almost do that from the get-go to, to I might that's my take Rob is like oh, yeah. saying like Jake Peets was going to get a million bucks last year but then should be the quarterback's coach he was at least going to be the passing game coordinator, if not yeah. a co-OC for that money. So I think that yeah. scheme of having co-OCs, which rules has a track record of doing it, was probably the actual initial how, thought. How does that work with play calling? That's that's what I want to know. Like, is Sack going to be play calling? Or, like, do they just both kind of work out the game plan? Or if something's not working, do they, like, switch headsets? Like, how does that work? I mean, I'm genuinely asking, like, at this point, like, when you're a coach. I'll let Honky answer. Yeah, I I understand, honestly, the co part less than I would a passing and run game. Like, at least, for instance, uh, Rayola, I don't know if they've announced it or anything, but at least I've heard talk that Rayola, part of his raise to 500,000 isn't just to be an offensive line coach, but that he'd also have some kind of run game coordinator tied into it, which is what Greg Austin had, I think, as well back in the day. That actually makes sense from a – schematic standpoint if it's like okay i'm the run game coordinator i'm the pass game coordinator we both are designing certain parts of the game i'm like okay i I can buy that co-coordinators i'm not exactly sure how that works from you know from from a a game from game planning to to game calling you know Mm -hmm. that i mean there's a 
sometimes you can have you know so many cooks in the kitchen. So I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how they are defining the difference between the two. But like, do they share headphones like couples do with they, the they don't make stuff where they're listening to the same same yeah, playlist I, I, or something? I would assume like... that's something you got to spell out pretty clearly. <laughs> yeah. Like, this person is, is calling is the Is Zach going to be up in the booth that. and one guy down on the field? I, I, yeah, that's. I would, I would also imagine some of this is just. You know, you call them co-offensive coordinator because that'll let you pay them more based on, you know, skills yes. and things you have. So I think there's a lot of it to that. Because yeah. How does that impact like a coaching counts, you know, because you only have X number of coaches officially? Does that? Yeah, it doesn't change on that. I, I was always curious on that, too. I don't I don't know if it has any impact, but. Yeah. No, 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 it doesn't. The, the, Josh Martin was the tight ends coach last year when he took over for Bob Wager. But it was a like a temporary year contract. And then once the season got done, they just moved him back to being a analyst like he was before. Mm-hmm. And, and so essentially Glenn Thomas is taking over Josh Martin's open position on the, on the staff. That's how, and then they yeah. just move people around a little bit, but you know, I, 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 I tend to agree with what you're saying here, Boomer. I think what you have is you have a coordinator that's up in the box. He's going to be calling plays. And now we have a quarterback coach who can be on the sideline he can be in direct contact with him, but he's going to be on the sideline. And when that quarterback comes off the field, now you've got somebody talking with him right there, doing all the things that Sat was having to do last year on the sideline too. It just, you know, it, I think it splits up the duties better. And I know that I know that's what Rule wanted to do from day one. I, yeah. So it, it's unfortunate in so many ways that we couldn't make this happen a year ago. I know like Thomas would have been available a year ago. I've heard people ask like, why didn't they just get Thomas? when they didn't get Pete's and just get Thomas instead. And I don't know. I don't know the answers to that, but they got them now. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your, to your point of like what you're calling a, a coach, et cetera. I mean, like, I think where we get a little confused and hung up on the co-offensive coordinator is, is someone has to be the play caller, right? So yeah. co-offensive coordinator to me makes sense. You might be able to, in the off season and during the week be designing plays and working through different schemes, et cetera. You still need one play caller. It just gets way too, too complicated if you don't. Right. So I, I think Satterfield's the play caller. Right. And then you have two, two offense coordinators that's trying to meld um, a similar philosophy together. I, I was in a, the, one of those, you know, Wikipedia, you know, death spirals where you start looking at random stuff and somehow I, I got onto the, the coaching bio of Norm Chow. Remember oh, Norm Chow? I do. Oh gosh, yeah, BYU guy. And yeah, 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 he coached at uh, the Chargers. He was a Chargers offensive coordinator for a little while too. But it, it, when he was at BYU, where he kind of made his name, it, what what position coach? What 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 coaching title did he have? Oh, geez. Or what you now, think he does? Now I think it's probably something really really weird. Like, was he offensive line coach or something? He was only the OC the last like three or four years he was there. And but I was reading his, his Wikipedia page and Lavelle Edwards designated him as the play caller as wide receivers coach in 1982. He was a play caller for like 20 years at BYU, but he was only the OC for like the last four or five uh-huh. years. Right. So like what a play caller is compared to like what else is he doing? I mean, I just thought it was fascinating. Right. So like, well, yeah, I mean, think about Osborne, you know, until he hired gill like in 92 osborne was the quarterbacks coach the offensive coordinator and the head coach yeah i mean and that was just that was just how it was you know Mm -hmm. and he finally you know let that one duty go by hiring gill but i mean like you know so you you know how rare do you see a coordinator and head coach and he was he had the position 
uh, title on top of it too. And I don't know, you find out whatever works. I, I think last year I heard there were times where even Rule got involved with some of the play calling, and I don't know if that was just it, you know as the head coach stepping in. And, fourth and shorts or end zone, yeah. end of the game. You're like, you know, the coach knows what he wants to run. He's like, hey, Sat, run this. I mean, I don't think that's too. No, I it, I think that's part of the, the coordination that they have amongst the mm-hmm. staff. And so to that point, could Glenn Thomas, even if he's not labeled as the play caller, could he still make some play calls? Sure. I mean, you know, one of the famous play calls in, in Husker football history is that Black Flash 41 reverse. And that was, mm-hmm. um, oh gosh, that was a, he's the head coach now at Ohio. He was a grad assistant at the time. Oh, Tim, Tim Albin. Tim, Tim Albin. He was a grad assistant. And supposedly mm-hmm. he was the one that was kind of behind making that call. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, Tenniper would be up in the, the box and would throw down all kinds of suggestions and essentially make the play call. But Osborne would be the one to pull the trigger on, yeah. on the call. So yeah. it's, it's however yeah. they coordinate it together. Has, have Thomas and Sat worked together before? Have yeah. they ever yeah. ended up? Okay. Yeah, they. I don't think they've ever been co-OCs, but um, at Baylor for two years they were together, and they were, one year at Temple. I was okay. going to say they were in 2017 2019. Um, uh, he was Baylor. the uh, Thomas was the co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Baylor. So, I mean, if Sat okay. was an offensive coordinator there, then they would have been co-offensive coordinators. They, that point. Satterfield was like the tight ends coach. He was tight ends coach. Okay. Well, I'm just saying that's what his uh, Thomas's position or title yeah. was that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. so, yeah, they, they worked together. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's positive. Right. So mm-hmm. how do we feel about like, it seems like rule is now kind of hiring a lot of his buddies, right. Where in the past, for you know husker fans in general like you know hiring all of your buddies to to come and coach right i mean didn't we go through this kind of with frost like no, is there, he, he are we getting are we seeing too. are we seeing kind of the same kind of reaction from people out there about this like on mm. are people talking about that i don't see much of it I, no i mean i've seen i to your point i've seen i've seen on social media some people can complain about that or or at least take issue with that i, I I don't know. I mean, as long as your friends do a good job, I don't really care. Right. Yeah. It's, it's don't hire your bad friends that suck at their jobs. I mean, that's like when you guys hired me for the podcast, right. Today's point there. Here. Yeah. Today's point there. When your buddy, if he's struggling, you know, I'm not, I, I, I've never been a fire coach guy. I've never been like, get that guy out of here. You know, the, the first bad play he calls fire him. No, not that. But like, look, if someone's clearly struggling or someone's not a good fit here, there's also a point of like not just keeping people around too because they're your buddies. Um, I mean, there's a there's a, you know there's a balance there. But look, I mean, these are good coaches. I mean, we just Glenn Thomas has more than a a worthy record or you know, resume. Place, yeah. yeah, I mean, these guys have had the resumes. This is different than Frost, where the entire staff came up and and there was kind of a question of does this staff have the makings of a, of a power five staff. Cause they just haven't done it. They did great things at UCF, but these are young guys or guys that haven't, haven't done it at this level. I mean, it's hard to look at rule staff and say, these guys can't do it at this level. They've all, they've all been, you know, a lot of them have had a lot of success at it. And, yeah, and then some of the ones with biggest question mark, I mean, like, like Terrence Knighton and he's, he's quickly proved himself. I think Garrett McGuire, hopefully will yep. we'll start showing that here next year. To- Tony White's living up to everything they, that we thought. And they're, they are willing to put the the resources in to retain great coaches that could have gone somewhere else. 
Rayola, I think, is showing very well as a as a position coach uh, on on the line, not just as a, a uncle of a talented quarterback, yeah. but I mean, as somebody that that look at that offensive line, the development that's going on there. Look at him going into Hawaii and pulling out the number one recruiters and offensive lineman. Look at him getting, you know, this, uh, you know, we're getting the kid from Florida, uh, Mascow. Uh, to, to come in there, you know, he's done. And while we're not just having mass defections, I believe, honk, it's is Makusa. that McGuire or Mac was saying uh, Mascow all night, so I was just Makusa. like, is, is that really M A Z Z C C U A is C U A C U A Mascua? Man, uh, no, I guess that would... yeah. yeah, How do you get Mascow out of that? I have no idea. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I call them. Okay. I, I call him Hash Nutmacher for three years. I mean, that's that's how you get that. Mascua. Oh, classic. That's not well, like a drink, like Boomer. That's a. It's red pronounced on the rock. Beatrice, not Beatrice. yeah. We'll have to make something up for Beatrice. that. Beatrice, yeah, the, the so, Mascua. Yeah. The uh, and we're going off script here, uh, but I mean, Honky joined the show, and you know we can always have fun. Um, you know, I think we're going after another like four star DN that randomly is mm. was visiting this weekend and 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 Mazkua, uh, if that is correct, um, seems to be a potential just a, a walk on with an NIL deal. Do you feel mm-hmm. like the, the year of years of actually understanding the 85 and who's actually on scholarship or not is is over because it feels like we're gonna have a hundred guys worth scholarships. It, it just doesn't matter anymore. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I think I mentioned on the, the show last week was the one where uh, IGC last year, we yeah. still don't, I, I still not, I'm not sure if he was on scholarship or not, but it was reading Sean Callahan was talking about him and Callahan's like, yeah, we, we didn't, we don't have verification. We didn't know. And, and maybe they know now. I don't know, but it was like, the point is during the season, it was like, Oh, we we're not sure. And it just really doesn't matter <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. The maybe. only thing that, Maybe the only thing that matters parents are, are being hired by the university, and so the kids are getting free tuition. <laughs> I mean, so you, you think that about so well, that, that's an inside joke, Conky. We'll get back to that one, but keep okay. finish your thoughts. Well, the the only the only thing that matters, I guess, in terms of the numbers, is that they still will apply towards like Title uh, Nine numbers and everything, and which, as we found out with like uh, um, like walk ons and stuff still have an effect on your title nine. And so when we were at 150 and 155 on the team, that was, you know, that, that creates certain imbalances that you have to, you have to correct. So I know that they want it to be like closer, probably to 125, 130, but how those 130 are made up, I mean, you're going to have 85 scholarship guys. And if you have 40 or 45 walk-ons, if 10 of those walk-ons or 15 of those walk-ons or 20 of them are NIL, then, then they are. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It is such a different way to look at it. I don't. I don't dislike the the system. I mean, we, we stand to benefit as much as anyone from it. Absolutely. We do. Um, so if we can get kids in here that would have gone somewhere else on Make scholarship, then then uh, you know more power to us. And you know, I don't know that we'll ever have Ohio State's quarterback room, but good luck keeping all those guys happy. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, all right, good stuff. Good stuff. The uh, the tuition joke, Honky, was uh, Sam Hoiberg is a walk on, and it's like he's like a free scholarship because he gets free mm-hmm. tuition because Fred's his dad. And I was like, well, Honky would would know all about that. And 
made the point that Iowa, Fran McCaffrey has had three of his sons on his team, but he gives them scholarships. For what reason, I do not know. <laughs> maybe Iowa's Surprise, different. Iowa maybe maybe they don't. Maybe they don't provide. They don't want their kids educated, so they don't provide employees. You know, because in France still makes five million he, a year, Rob. Even <laughs> even McDermott. Even McDermott at Creighton, I think he was on scholarship like the first three years, and then when he came back and was the you know player of the year that year, he took himself off scholarship. If I remember right, he he basically yeah. created a, an extra spot because they knew they would have a you know a special team and they every spot was important. But yeah, you look at Sam Hoiberg out there, and uh, at the very least, you, you wouldn't notice the difference between walk on or scholarship with him, and that's. That's really ideally that's what the walk-on program when it's at its best. It, it provides the right kind of depth. He's not a starter on the basketball team. We have a lot of walk-ons on the football team that aren't starters, but that are guys that play meaningful minutes and fill in the roles. And when guys get injured, they step up. And that's that's what Osborne always intended to use out of it. And then the the the, the side benefit of just getting so many more kids involved from around this area. I was just reading one today, a Norfolk High kid that uh, yeah. just committed yeah. recently. And, I mean, we're, you're seeing it with the walk-ons of kids from all across the state. That's it, It's just bringing them back into the fold, bringing those communities back into the fold that maybe haven't had a guy there in a while. So, um, yeah. I think Rule's done a great job. Guy, Rule is – I just we just need the wins. I mean, Rule has yeah. done a great job managing that. For the fan out there that wants the the big five-star kids, Rule's – gone out there and managed to pull that off rule has managed to, to do a lot of the things that you know that he's kept old school guys like me happy with with physical practices and you know at least talk of fullbacks and stuff i mean he's he's hitting on all the right things we just we just gotta get some wins to come along with it but yeah, uh, yeah he's sure. doing it right yeah well the last thing i thought i i had on the on the show that we want to talk about really quick um is uh one of those uh recruits um from uh one of the, the local nebraska uh spots uh, honolulu nebraska and, <laughs> yeah. it's natural we, I, uh, yeah exactly well uh, uh, an alliance nebraska kid was out in honolulu as well with dylan Rayola. carter nelson uh dylan connected a couple different times in the polynesian bowl uh honky did you at least check out any of the highlights oh i watched the whole thing he was the leading yeah. receiver in the, in the game and uh yeah did the hookah at the beginning. Um, it yeah, was, yeah, it was quite the setting with the field. Like uh, it was like elevated on a mesa and overlooking uh, the, the harbor and whatnot. I, gosh, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to completely don't need it double checked. But I think that's where Hawaii is playing now. Is that that at that field? Because they're not playing at the Aloha Bowl. No, they've got a local on-campus stadium that holds that like 9,000. I, I, I watch way too many Hawaii home games uh, late at night. Um, okay, so it wasn't that field, but okay. I knew they had moved closer to the mm. U area. But anyways, um, yeah, a couple things with, with Nelson was that he, he held up well. And I, I'm i not a big guy with all these, like, uh, all-star games for the most part. I mean, it's, you know, it's a game more for show. Mostly show but at, at that but point, in know. Carter's case, he really benefits two ways from it, is that he got to play against some real high-level talent when you're coming from, you know, the Ainsworth area. And the secondary thing of, like, this was – he played – I think he played in two uh, different all, All-American all games. It's mm -hmm. his first time playing 11-man football. And so yeah. just yeah. the ba very basics of that transition were nice. But 
Um, you know, he caught the nice seam route down the middle there uh, that yeah. uh, from Dylan, and then he they even did a little option side pass to him, yeah. and he caught it and yeah. went ten yards and showed some real nice uh, speed and durability on it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I thought what I thought of it was because uh, Carter Nelson uh, as a, a uh, key cog of the Alliance, you know sports machine is playing basketball and maybe track. I don't know. Uh, so he's not enrolling early, right? He's not in mm. Lincoln, uh, but he got a full week of practice with Dylan Riola. I thought that was super valuable because trying to build that chemistry to, um, to actually kind of have that connection with his quarterback in of the future. And uh, is at six four two twenty. I mean, if he's going to see the field next year, it may not be at the tight end position, you know, maybe he can be uh, kind of one of those positionless receivers, and uh, having that time with Dylan couldn't have hurt, that's for certain. Mm-hmm. And having Bedoni come back, having Borkutcher coming back, there's not that pressure on this big-time recruit. I mean, top 100 yeah. recruit, there's not this pressure that he needs to step in and be an immediate guy. But if he can, if he steps in, he's that good, though, I'm sure they'll find a way to get him on the field. And if nothing else, at least you have the four-game redshirt rule, yeah. if, if that's what it what <clears throat> it is with him. But – um, yeah, the, the whole week it, you saw photos of them together. They, of course, were on the same team. Preston uh, Taumau, the the other uh, Husker recruit, the, the offensive lineman, he was on the other team. But there's photos of them all together. So um, I think that's a, a, a good thing to get some of that camaraderie. Hey, Boomer, can we do a pronunciation check on Preston Tamua? Please do. T-A-U-M-U-A. Taumua. T-A-U-M-U-A. Mazkua. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's another UA. Maybe it's, I, I listened to his Mazuka. own recording on the Florida Gators page. I like so bazooka. Just think of bazooka. Wait, Honk. is it Maz? It's, so it's Mazuka, not Maz. Yeah, Micah Mazuka is how he said his own name according to the Florida Gators. Yeah, Dave, Dave it's not Mazkua. Yes, or Maz. Well, at least that was closer. I don't. Maz. I don't know. I don't even know how Mazcow. I don't know Mazcow or Mazuka. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I'm sure it's Preston. To Mazuka or something, but um, <laughs> um, he, I mean, he looked good out there too. Uh, he looks like a run grader guy that's gonna yeah. fit in well yeah. with what, uh, with what not just Rule wants to do, but with how Rayola coaches. Uh, I think that's gonna be a, a good, a good match. So, yeah, uh, yeah ex- you know, excited to see it, uh, this week on campus. I think it was was it 27 new people are on campus between transfers and incoming freshmen. So, uh, you know, it started a week ago already now. And then, uh, yesterday, Monday was the start of the semester. So they're out there, they're, they're doing all the drills now, the, the mat drills and all that. I'm sure we'll be seeing Tamua, Preston Tamua. All right. But I'm sure we'll be seeing all the social media videos coming out. One social media video that did come out from a recruit, a, a week ago, um, and they just showed like a three-second clip of the new weight room. So there's mm-hmm. weights and stuff in there, but they haven't really moved the – at least we haven't seen any videos of guys working out in it yet, but you can tell that they're getting really close to opening mm-hmm. that up. So, you know, that's $150, $160 million of facilities that are, you know, some of them are already open and the other ones are starting to open over the course of these months. And they're starting to play a role now in the, in the recruitment of, of guys. So hopefully we get some, uh, some positive returns out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rob. So going back a little bit, I think that that 
field that they play the Polynesian Bowl at is actually a high school stadium. It is a high school it stadium. Is. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's the, on the Kamehameha. It's the Kamehameha yeah. Kapalama campus. Did I say that right? Kamehameha. Boomer, can you look that, that pronunciation? Yeah, no that's that's the famous the Hawaiian. Yeah, I believe it's. it's I believe it's called the okay. uh, Kunuakea Stadium. Here we go. Thank pronounced. you, Rob. Yes. Yeah. So wow. just, I looked that up and I wanted to see because I was wondering what thought. <laughs> I wanted to see what it was, but it's a high school stadium. It's a private school. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, all right, guys. Anything else uh, that we want to chat about? Rob, is there any other uh, tidbits you want? Boomer? Do you really want to hear more from me, Dave? No. no I do okay, not. Good. good. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's uh, get to our parting shots. And you know what, Rob? I do want to hear from you. Let's get a parting shot from Redcast, Rob. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I have missed all you guys, and I'm looking forward to the upcoming, um, you know, NCAA tournament berth of being able to do a show about that for Nebraska ball. I am also looking forward to the spring game, which is just a short, like two months, three months away now, I believe. Um, I still need to reserve my place to stay out there. Um I am also looking forward to getting honky some aloe fiber in Roca, Nebraska. Um, you know, for for all that I know, that could be coming down the road very soon for him. And so I am keeping my fingers crossed and I just keep bringing it up every chance I get to anybody that will listen because, you know, that's all I want for him. I'm keeping that's my fingers crossed there too, yeah. Yeah. Honky, your your beard looks really exceptionally full. I'm I'm really impressed with the, the really? beard tonight. Yeah, really thick, yeah. Really I uh, I know I was telling you guys that I had somebody on campus that uh, saw me and they started talking to me, think and they thought I was the coach. <laughs> and, and we uh, knew what was going to happen eventually. Yeah. I ran into the same person a few days later, and they started talking to me again, and they they thought I was the coach again. And I had to stop them the second time. Got I'm. I'm I'm not him. I think with the thicker beard, it even maybe looks closer, I guess, for some people. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just letting it go right now. Why not? Nice. You know? Well, Hunk, what's your parting shot? Yeah, I really didn't come prepared with anything. So I'll just Perfect. I'll just use I'll use the old fashioned one that I always do. Um Redcast Nation has grown to over thirty thousand now. We are officially over thirty thousand, which I think that doesn't move us up in the rankings of, of cities, but we are still sixth. Uh, with uh, I guess that'd be Carney, I think would be next. Come after Carney, excellent. Coming after Carney, and then Grand Island, then Beatrice, then Lincoln, then Omaha. We got ways for some of those. Beatrice, but, uh, no, Car did I say Beatrice? Yeah, you Carney? did. It's pronounced oh, no. Bellevue. Beatrice, Rob. Oh, oh Beatrice. Bellevue. I'm sorry, Bellevue. No. It'd be Carney, Grand Island, Bellevue, and then Lincoln and Omaha. So, but, uh, anyways, we're over 30,000. So, Redcasters, there you go. Thanks for thanks for all the people following us and and uh subscribing and all that good stuff you guys are awesome go big red all right boomer i, I want a, a wrestling uh take here with either right. mocker or wwe i don't care yeah we can throw a wrestling take out it, it's just kind of interesting news today you know i know the, the other passion of the red cast is obviously pro wrestling along with australian rules football and other things but it's just kind of an interesting uh change in that world is how uh wwe is moving their flagship show raw to netflix and you know it's been on USA for I don't know how long, you know, for yeah. decades, and that's that's just kind of an interesting move, just showing how live entertainment is changing, and then in the new environment of uh, you know cable cutting and all of that. I mean, granted, they're getting paid five billion dollars for it, so wow. I can see that happening. That's you know, insane. Anybody, but 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, NFL playoff games on Peacock now. Yeah, which I see a Big Ten game on Netflix, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're getting what's currently the premiere. At least everybody has Netflix, so it's not like we hear, like, anyone complaining. I I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work well for them or not, but uh, I don't know if they're going to show commercials during it or if it's just going to be a straight-up show or how it's going to work. That could be different. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that works out, but... We're probably going to see a lot more of this in terms of just you know sports in general, yeah. the streaming services, and then like all the other supporting shows around it, right? They have yeah, that one yeah. prime show. They're going to have a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes. You name yeah, it, there's right? a ton and, of content they could put out there. They could add you know yeah. other you know prior shows on it because you know that was the one advantage to Peacock is it had the WWE network on it. You could get a whole bunch of old yeah. classic wrestling shows that I've been ODing on over the last few months, you know, watching old mid-Atlantic stuff and, you know, WCCW things like Fits that. Fits in perfect. Easy. I mean, everything else on Netflix is scripted as well, so. Yeah, just as well. <laughs> might as well be. So, yeah, I so, mean, and the NFL I, I, it might as well be these days, too. So, I mean, yeah, let's just. <laughs> oh, God, please. Ow. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I do think that. Keep an eye on this for the Big Ten and other other sports. Oh, uh, absolutely. Right, yeah. because, I mean, it, it may be coming. Yeah, and if they're going to throw billions of dollars at at a conference to put stuff exclusively in, you know, a streaming service, that's going to be hard to pass up. So it's, it would not shock me to see something like this happen in mm-hmm. college sports in the near future. So it's it's just interesting to see. Yep, agree. All right, guys, that was that was a fun show. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be back, I'm sure, very soon after a couple more Nebraska back basketball victories. Uh, for now, let's call that another. Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Heard at Sports Network Production.